This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, teaching you each episode about holistic retirement planning. Well, it's time for another Retire Happy Podcast. So glad that you're along with us today. Walter Storholt alongside John Amarino, fiduciary financial advisor at Securus Financial, serving you in the San Diego area. We've got a great show on the way today. Before I tell you about it, let's bring the man of the hour into the program. John Amarino, what's going on, man? Not a lot. Walter actually... uh... You know, after the podcast today, we're going to get started with the weekend on my first trip in the motorhome. Nice. So, yeah. And you said you, know, you were going to keep podcast. these local, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is one. just, you know, make sure things aren't, they say that the new motorhomes actually come with a, a bevy of problems. So, oh, okay. you know, you kind of break them in a little bit. So I've got my buddy and I got my in-laws, they all have their motorhomes out, so I am very unhandy, so they will be there as my uh, blankie, I guess, nice. um, as you can say, and uh, they'll they'll be able to help me out. But yeah, I didn't, you know, coming off our last podcast where we talked about the flight plan, you know, motivated me. I was sitting out there. I called up my buddy. I said, "Hey, let's give me a checklist. What do I have to do before I get this thing started up?" Got our checklist. You know, you turn the generator on, do the the leveler, then the slides, then the leveler again. So we got it all. All planned out, my motorhome plan. When I was a kid, um, so I've, I've only stayed in a motorhome one time. When I was a kid, my dad and I rented um, a, I don't think it was, it wasn't a big one. I want to say we got maybe a 15 feet. Does that sound super small? Because it wasn't super oh, yeah. small. Okay, so maybe 20 feet. Does that sound a little bit more reasonable? Like maybe yeah. a Class C 24. is bouncing around in my head as, as maybe kind of just your entry level cruise America type, uh, rental right. RV. Yeah. So yeah. We, we got one and we went to the races to the NASCAR race when I was a kid and we went for like, you know, three or four days and we did it with the RV. It was a big thing for my birthday that year. And we just, we had a blast, but it was like a thousand degrees outside. Right. And we didn't know this about RVs at the time. I don't know if yours is like this, but the generator at, at the time or on this particular unit only worked if you had a half tank, more than a half tank of gas. Well, we spent a half tank of gas getting to, almost a half tank, getting to the place, getting to the parking area. And once you park in this, you know, at an, if anybody's ever been to a NASCAR race, you probably have the, a good concept of this. Once you're in your spot, like you're not leaving, like you're parked there for the weekend. And my dad, of course, was like, you know, kind of nervous driving this thing for the first time. And it took forever to back into this space. The idea of trying to get out of there before the end of the weekend was just, you know, daunting. So once you were there, you were there. And we were parked, and we barely had over a half tank of gas. And it's 100 degrees outside. And we weren't there but for a couple of hours. And all of a sudden, the air conditioner and the, and the generator and the, and the unit starts going, brrrr. We could tell it's starting to struggle a little bit as it's getting to that halfway point, and we were uh, we were freaking out. We were like, "It's going to be a long weekend," but that thing held together, and we were just really conservative over like when we weren't in it, making obviously it wasn't running, but then just really conservative when we were in there to make sure we got the most out of that gas that was in the tank. But we made it through the whole weekend without it dying. But it was. It was a close call. We'd be there at night looking at each other as it's steaming hot outside and just hearing that thing going. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure the most stressful part was just, it wasn't, you know, wait, obviously you guys didn't run out of gas, but you know, just the anticipation of running yeah. out of gas is kind of like an analogy. I talked to people in terms of running out of money, right? You, they didn't properly plan for their income and their distribution. And, 
you know, the stress doesn't start when you run out of the money. It starts long before that when you start seeing that bank account dwindle. Yes, yes, definitely. In our case, running out probably actually would have been beneficial because, you know what, we would have just sucked it up and gone and got more gas, and then we would have probably enjoyed our time more at that point because now we'd be in a situation where we had a good plan and we were all set and we had plenty of uh, reserves and we would have just had to, you know, had that uncomfortable part of going and getting the gas from somewhere and either relocating it or trying to bring it back or whatever. But in the financial world, yeah, you don't have that luxury. Again, I think we said in the last podcast in our analogy there, same one applies here. You hit zero. It's a little bit more difficult to hit the start over button in your financial yep. life. But uh, we're all, we're finding parallels in all sorts of motor coach and uh, RV stories here. So we I'm, are. We're gonna have some more of those popping up from time to time. I'm sure. Well, we've uh, got, just 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 wait till the first trip. I'm sure I'll have it all. Sorts I can't of wait. Stuff I can't wait to hear about yeah. Denise Snafu. Hopefully that you none run of into. it. Hopefully none of it has a story to do with the septic tank. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting really for that. Yeah, we hooked into the thing, but it didn't work, so I had uh, to do it by hand. <laughs> yeah. My brother-in-law's like, oh, I just can't wait. Can't wait for you to have to deal with the septic tank. I'm like, okay, well, they've got hoses and stuff. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. Making it sound so dramatic. Yeah, I'm sure it's not that bad, but... Uh... At least it's your own stuff, right? Okay, we're going too we're going too far down the line here. Let's yeah, we'll we'll, we'll stop it there. Uh, we've got a great show on the way today. Andrew has a question that we'll feature a little bit later on in today's show. Interesting question. Wondering about working with a uh, a younger advisor or or working with an older advisor. So the age of your advisor is that important? Intriguing question from Andrew later in today's show. Plus, we're going to talk about, we teased it last week, about market crashes a little bit more. What will the next market crash look like? Is there such a thing as preparing for a crash? We'll get into some of those specifics all on today's show. But to set the tone, instead of seeing what's happening in the news this week, I thought we just started off with a fun quote of the month, John, from uh, none other than the famous Warren Buffett best investor of our time, arguably. Uh, this the Oracle is, of Omaha. The Oracle of Omaha, that's right. Uh, the secret to getting rich on Wall Street is to be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. What do you think that? This is a great quote, and uh, it's one of the uh, two Buffett quotes that I actually often talk to uh, people who come to my classes about. And it, it's not so much on when to buy into the market, but it's really about freakout risk and the importance of investing within an appropriate risk tolerance and having a plan that allows you to stay on course. Because that's what Mr. Buff is talking about. He, he's not giving... The, the buy low, sell high. He's talking about the irrational psychology of the investor, right? Euphoria. Everyone wants a piece of the market at the all-time highs when that is actually your worst time to buy in and actually at the point of maximum financial risk. And no one wants to buy at the bottom, right? And that's really where the most opportunity lies because, you know, in the psychological part, well, you know, when euphoria is at the top, you have despair at the bottom and people just, you know, oh, I'm going to buy now, I'm going to lose more money or they just couldn't stand at the plan. You know, for people that do what's called buy and fold, right? They bought and then the markets just got too overwhelming for them, which is understandable, especially in retirement. You know, when you don't have a plan, you fold out and then what they do is they wait until, whoa, great, the market's back up again. Well, things are, are much more expensive. So great quote, great quote. 
couldn't be more uh, more truthful there. Well, it's a good scene setter for our conversation about market crashes too, because some people think we're on the cusp of the next stock market crash right now. In fact, John, little peek behind the scenes for listeners. Sometimes we record these episodes, you know, maybe only a day or two before we actually publish them, and, and you get the chance to listen to them. Other times, just because, you know, of schedules and whatnot, you know, John's got a life and other things to tend to. So sometimes we record a few in advance. You have a life, too. Yeah, we've, we've all got lives, right? So, so, you know, and we try to just always have regular episodes coming out for you. So we record in advance sometimes. Well, here's the reality. The market could crash between us talking about it right now and the episode actually getting released. So just keep that in mind, right? As we kind of talk about these kinds of subjects is these things can change on a dime. There's some things in the financial world that are slow moving. There are others that happen overnight. So some people think we're on the cusp of a crash, John. Others predict we're just due for a minor correction. And then I think there's another camp that thinks, hey, we're just going to keep going up, up and up. Sure, there'll be down days, but we're going to be on an upward trend still for a good while before we have any sort of crash or major correction. We don't know who's right. We talked about not having a crystal ball, obviously, on the last show, or when any of these options truly are going to occur. But I do want to talk about what the next crash might look like, even if we don't know when exactly it's going to come. It's inevitable, John, that people are going to ask you all the time when the next market crash is coming. How do you respond to that, first of all? And again, I always say this, but I, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. You know, no one does. And and it's not to disparage these firms, but it's to prove a point that look at Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers, Merrill Lynch. Those are huge financial companies. And, you know, I mean, two of the three aren't around. Merrill Lynch is a B of A company now, you know, and that's not to go after them, but it's just to show that them along with the majority of Wall Street got it all wrong. So, you know, and look at the supercomputers they have. So I don't know. I've heard from well-respected minds that 2020 could be the next time that we have a major market crash. And I think we did a podcast, you know, uh, not too long ago that said Goldman Sachs, you know, a leading firm says there's a less than 10% chance of recession. But in the end, no one knows for sure. So you just have to plan for that. You know, there's been plenty of people that have been saying the next recession is coming and they've been saying that since 2011, 2012. Yeah, that's true. And guess what? They'll um, be right eventually. You know, yeah. And it, and again, you know, then you see, well, this person called the, you know, such and such crash. Well, the, yeah, it's easy to call a crash when you've been saying for the last six years that this is the year, this is the year, this, and then all of a sudden, then it came. So you have to have a plan. You have to be invested accordingly. Well, since it's difficult to predict the when, maybe we can predict some other things. Do you expect the next downturn, whenever it does come, to be as severe as what we saw in 2008? Should we be preparing for that kind of severity? This podcast is going to probably frustrate all the all the listeners because, again, I don't know. I've I have read. You know, I get up really early in the morning. I, I go to the gym, and then by the time I get home, I have about an hour of time where I get to read all my financial articles in the morning before my little one gets up. To be honest with you, I've read so many conflicting reports and analysis. Is another 2008 possible? Yes. Will it happen soon? Again, I don't know. Yeah, our economy's pretty strong right now, but we have a bunch of variables going on, both politically and geopolitically. But the one reason I do say yes, that another 2008 is possible, is that our country and the balance sheet it's way out of whack. I mean, you know, we have $22.5 trillion of debt. 
and actually the global economy, we have a lot of problems. So we aren't as insulated like we used to be. So if there were a market downturn, there is a possibility that it could be harsh, but you have to plan for, for any event. You know, we don't have the ability to do quantitative easing like we did in 2009, which was injected a lot of taxpayer money back into the markets to help it out. You know, we can't afford to take on being fiscally responsible. We can't afford to take on a lot of debt like we did. You know, you have to plan for any event, you know, and you have to understand the difference between short term volatility, which August, September, October, they're traditionally the most volatile months of the year, just cyclically speaking. And uh, you have to understand the difference between the two, and you have to have a plan for any event. With the prognosticators and, uh, sort of all coming out of the woodwork to predict these things, John, people notice, people listen, even if they try not to be swayed by it or uh, you know checked into fear by it, they still have it in the back of their minds and start asking questions about it. In fact, I had a family member asking this next question to me just recently. You know, knowing that I talk to uh, you know financial advisors and talk to you all the time on the show here, uh, a family member was asking me, you know, hey, I'm worried about a crash. I'm retiring soon. Does it make sense for me to just pull all my money out of the market and wait, let it crash? you know, and then deal with it then. But can I miss the crash or should I just pull out of the money until things simmer down, even if it's not going to be a crash, just until they settle down a little bit? That seems to be a natural reaction for a lot of folks. Right. And actually, you know, one of my, my newer clients said they kind of had that mentality going in, you know, the going to cash. I mean, it really depends if you won your plan. It, it depends on when you got out and got back in. I always revert back to Dalbar. Right. They've done 30 years of research that shows investors have gotten it wrong. They've gotten it wrong of when they've gotten gone to cash and got back in and decisions that were irrational and ended up to be bad. And that's why the vast majority of investors underperform the market. So, you know, if you were to listen to some of these doom and gloomers back in 2012 and you went to cash, you know, chances are, you know, when did you get back in? You know, are you still in cash? Did you just lose out on seven years of market growth because you were, you know, in that cash position? And or did you just now get back in because you're like, well, you know, the markets are you know, the economy's strong. Now you're you're buying at a time where there could be maximum financial risk. So, you know, the better thing is to invest your money wisely based on what you're willing to lose, right? If you're okay losing, you know, five to 10%, then you can have a good conservative portfolio, you know, that could outperform your definitely outperform your cash and, and other safe money alternatives. That's what I believe. Not getting into the uh, nitty and gritty of the financials here, just because everybody's situation is different, but just maybe from the 30,000 foot view, how do you protect you know, the investments of your clients when there is a market downturn or as you're preparing for one? How do you help protect folks without just sort of giving up and pulling out and you know, going to cash? Well, I think that starts really from the very first you know, meetings in the planning. You have to, especially for retirees and pre-retirees, you both have to talk about the change of investment philosophy. And it's not about getting those double-digit returns anymore. I tell people, my job is not to make you rich. It's to make sure your money lasts both you and or, you know, if you have a spouse, your spouse's lifetime. So, you know, we invest them properly according to what, not what they would like to make in the market, what their returns are, but what they're willing willing to lose 
you know, for especially retirees. So once we have that established and we have their risk tolerance established, then the next thing is you you segment their money into jobs or or you know what we call buckets. And listen, accounts that you're going to be drawing income from either now or in the near future, they need to be conservatively invested. And uh, longer term money, well, that can be more aggressive. And you have that segmented out and it's a plan. And I tell people one thing I can guarantee you is if you have your money invested in the market, there will be a time where you lose portion of that money, period. And it's not just going to be once. It's going to be multiple times where you see pullback from the market. So make a plan that allows for that. And it's going to be easier to stay the course. Yeah. So many people, I think, see two extremes, right? High risk in the market or sitting in cash doing nothing. And people think that those are their only two options. I know you told us a little bit already about sort of the, the way that you approach this, but why do you think that there is that mentality of just one or the other sink or swim? You know, I, I think people hear, you know, marketing, you know, the best place to be is, is the market. And, and you have that allure of being able to grow your money, right, and live a better life. And then, you know, cash, I, I believe, is the fear of losing that money. And, you know, I, I always say that this game is half psychological. That proves to be a very true point, because when I hear people oftentimes in cash, it's, they believe the market is going to drop. They heard something on the news and you know there's plenty of fear mongering these days in the news. They make a decision that they believe is in their best interest obviously and, and to go to cash, but you know you can only stay in cash for so long before you start losing your money to inflation. So, you got to find a good in between. Well, it is an important conversation to have if you haven't thought about market crashes. And this is not to be alarmist or scary. I don't think we've done that on today's show. We're not in that camp of the market's going to crash tomorrow, so you better do something about it today. But it is going to crash or correct or recess at some point in time. There are going to be changes. We know that. That's the one thing that is constant about the market is change, and that includes down periods. And so there are ways you can prepare for that as a retiree, as a pre-retiree, ways that you can protect your financial future. It's going to be a different solution for everybody because we all have different situations, different goals that we want to achieve in retirement. But you can imagine that uh, you do want to put some plans in place to handle these things. And if you don't have a plan in place, talk to John about that. Give him a call, 858-935-6210. That's 858-935-6210. Or go online to gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com. And you can get in touch via the website, listen to past episodes of the show, and find out more information there as well. That's on gosecurus.com. John, thanks for uh, walking us through some of those market crash considerations. I know it's an important topic about and one that people are always going to ask about, so we'll always be sure to circle around and cover it from different angles every once in a while here on the podcast because it is such an important topic after all. Absolutely. It's what drives a a lot of uh, investors. It's getting to know you time. Well, that sound means it's time to get to know John a little bit better on today's show. Fun question for you this week, John. If you could turn any activity into an Olympic sport, what would you have a chance at winning a medal for? Jeez, I don't know. I, I guess maybe cornhole. Cornhole. Okay. Pretty, All right. Pretty, pretty good cornhole. I didn't know cornhole was big in the San Diego it. area. I thought that was, uh, you know, a Southerners kind of thing. I don't know. 
plenty of cornhole going on. Nice. Yeah, we uh, every camping trip. Well, I'll be playing cornhole this weekend, as a matter of fact, and uh, we go to the river a lot, play cornhole. So that's got to uh, be a staple on the motorhome, right? That's right. That's right. Get new cornhole boards and put them underneath in the storage. I would say the uh, number one thing for me would be uh, Oreo dunking. If dunking Oreos and eating them were a sport, I'd be the best at it. I would no doubt have a gold medal in that. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I never done it. My kid likes Oreos, but I, I just was never a huge fan. Oh, that's heresy. That's not allowed. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I will have to. I may have to strike that from the record and edit it out of the show. That's 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 a sad statement. Um, yeah, I, I feel for you. You're missing out in life, my friend. Nah, nah. I, I like those old uh, the mother's nice chocolate chip cookies. Mothers? I don't fresh know if I've baked. heard of those. Mothers? Yeah. It's like the old school. Old school, just like fresh baked cookies. Oh, like mom's mom's cookies. I, I, I'm, yeah. I thought you were talking about like a brand. I think named there's a, no, it's like mothers. a brand. Mothers, yeah. Oh, there is a brand. Okay. I, Not I Mrs. Fields, but another called. mother. Uh, no, no, that's it. It's Mrs. Fields. Oh, it is Mrs. Yeah, Fields. Okay. Bad. You could say I don't eat a whole lot of junk food, so that's <laughs> one. So, mother's cookies mother. you mean mrs yeah. fields <laughs> sure she's the mom she's a mother from another mother i suppose is yeah. uh, the way that goes yeah mrs fields cookies are pretty good i won't i won't debate you there so so are just good old mom's cookies those are good too yeah all right well and auntie ann's pretzels right? yeah oh there you go pretzels. yeah well, all right we'll dis- agree to disagree on the uh, oreo eating then yeah uh, i know what to get you for christmas there you go well good stuff on the uh on the proposed Olympic sport of cornhole. You know, that may be an Olympic sport one day because it's, it's it's big already. Like there's ESPN. It was on ESPN the other day. They yeah, had some like tournament. ESPN, the Ocho or yeah. something. I think you only get it if you, like, you have like the premier cable package that has 15 different ESPNs. But still, but yeah. people were playing it competitively and it was, on, it was televised. So you never know. I mean, skateboarding and all sorts of like, you know, rad, uh, you know, winter Olympics skiing and snowboarding yeah, sports. That's got, that's got like a, you know, an element to it. I, I, I watched the there, cornhole. There isn't much of an athletic deep. element to uh, to the cornhole. Well, you know, it's skill. Skill, but not but, so much athletic. Know, when, when, yeah. I was, when I was watching the cornhole thing, the thing that just grabbed me is like, I mean, those guys have some definite skills, but... I actually just kind of sat back and started looking at the crowd and goes, wow, who really pays for an admission to go watch cornhole? <laughs> like the only time I watch cornhole is like, Hey, are you guys done yet? Am I next up? Right. Right. If not, I'll be over there drinking, you know, my beer, my whiskey. You're not, you're not really looking at that guy before you go. Yeah. Oh man, look yeah. at his technique and his skill, man. How much really do front row cornhole tickets go? How <laughs> we're really going on. You can get a seven, $7 ticket gets you front row courtside seats at the cornhole tournament. Yeah. It's the best ticket in good town. Times. Yeah. It's good stuff. All right. There you go. Getting to know John Amarino a little bit better on today's show. Cornhole champion likely in the Olympics one day. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right, time to answer a question as we wrap up today's podcast. It comes to us from Andrew in Scottsdale, Arizona. So a little bit outside our normal question territory. Thanks for listening to the program from afar, Andrew. Andrew says, should I work with a younger financial advisor with less experience or somebody who's my age but might retire at the same time I do? Yeah, that's a great question. It kind of reminds me of a discussion I had years ago, probably about six years ago. I actually had a guy come in. And he's like 
what do you know about retirement? You look like you're 12 now. I, I was in my 30s. I'm 43 now, and I look a lot younger than I am. But uh, he's like, you know, you're not retired. What do you know about retirement? I said, well, if I was retired, we wouldn't be talking. But let me ask you a question. If you were going in for heart surgery, does your surgeon need to have a heart attack and have heart problems to be able to treat you? Or would you rather just have a very sharp surgeon who's basically spent his you know professional career studying for that exact procedure you know and that's what i tell people i you know experience is important you know you don't want someone brand brand new managing your life savings but i'd say knowledge and drive can be just as as valuable if not more i opened my firm seven years ago and from the very beginning i surrounded myself around the most intelligent people in the industry who gave me the blueprint for success and knowledge and i had senior level knowledge that i was able that they helped me plan some of my earliest clients and i was able to provide those clients a high level of planning and that's what you want a planner who can solve your problems and you know remember retirement is a whole different level of planning andrew and for you, it's just the beginning of your planning. And if your advisor retires around the same time you do, who's going to take over the reins, right? At the most crucial time of your investment life. So my clients know that I'm planning on working for at least another 20 years. And that's going to take, you know, some of them through their retirement and even helping their kids out with their estate. So if you are going with a, a younger advisor, they're going to probably be able to see you through retirement. You just want to make sure that they have the knowledge and the know-how to solve your problems. And that's a well answered, John. And to add on to that, you know, I've interviewed a lot of financial advisors across the entire country for many years now. And I've talked to several who have had really great experience, have been in the industry for many, 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 many years. And unfortunately, a few of them I've talked to before, and they just don't have what's the best way to put this, I guess? The, uh, it's almost like they're not keeping up with the times in a way. Yeah. So although they've got all this, yeah, it's kind of that element. And I'm not saying that applies across the board to anybody who, you know, is experienced and older and approaching retirement in their own industry and field that this is some systemic problem, but it happens. So just because they've had all this experience doesn't mean that they're up to date on the latest planning principles and the best way to strategize for today's retirement. They may be planning off of what was working 10, 15, 20 years ago and not so much what's going to work now and into the future. And so there's more to evaluate than just the experience, I guess, is the point to drive home there. And, right. And, uh, and are they are they more worried about their own retirement than yours? Right. I mean, you know, it's just think about it. towards the end of your career. Were you you know, were you kind of more focused on what lies ahead or what you have to do at your job you know, right now? Because a lot of people, they're like just counting down the hours and the days. So, yeah, it's a great point. So just remember that there's a lot more that goes into it than the experience there, Andrew. And hopefully that helps you evaluate that decision. Uh, if you're like Andrew and you're kind of considering which advisor to work for, not necessarily, you know, older versus younger debate here, but just, hey, I'm looking for an advisor to help me plan for retirement. Uh, if you'd like to chat a little bit with John Amarino about his process, about how his firm works, uh, what it would be like to be a client there, you can certainly get in touch with the team at Securus Financial and talk to John directly. Give a call at 858-935-6210. That's 858 858- 935-6210 or go online to gosecurus.com that's gosecurus.com 
www.thebigcoachmedia.com. And that's where you can find us on the website and get more information there as well. John, always fun chatting with you on the show today. And uh, we'll look forward to another good one with you next time around. All right. Take care. Take care. Enjoy that motorhome. Good luck on uh, trip number one. Oh, we will. <laughs> It'll be a blast. For John, I'm Walter. We'll talk to you next time right back here on the aptly named Retire Happy Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Securus Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Amarino and guests on this radio show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine and future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered.